What's up, Coconut Creek? How you guys doing this morning? Yeah, okay. Y'all need to just go back out there and get some more coffee, okay? Uh, you, you guys need some more energy this morning. Let's try this one more time, one more time just for kicks and giggles. Okay, how y'all doing this morning? A little bit better. Okay, we'll let that pass this week. So, hey, we're, we're in this series called Uncovered, and, and we're in the last week of it. And this week, we're doing something a little bit different. We've been having you guys texting questions over the last couple of weeks. And today, our, our goal is to, to answer those between all three of our services. And so, we, we've done a service here. We've done a service in Pompano. And I think there's a whole bunch of questions left. And what's kind of fun about this is we don't really know what's coming at us, which makes it really, really exciting for you. And, and Shayla's going to come out here. And, and answer some questions with me. And why don't you all just give it up for Shayla? Because last week she killed it as she spoke. Yeah, you can come out right now. It's cool. You can come out. Um, and, and while she's getting set up here, I, I just want to say something. You know, we've been, we've been in this series and we've been just talking about, like, what does it mean to get real and authentic about love, sex, dating, and relationships? And how do we kind of pull back the sheets and reveal what is, what is true What's not true? How do we have great relationships? And I think something that Shayla said last week is so, so important to us. And she said, great relationships aren't found in life. A lot of people think that great relationships are something that you find, so you're just looking for the perfect person. We're searching all of our lives, and we're like, oh, we finally found them, and now we don't really have to do anything. Like, but that's not really true. The reality is, is great relationships aren't found. The reality is, is that great relationships are made. And if you want to have a great relationship, it's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of discipline. It's going to take a lot of evolving and becoming the person that God's called you to be, which I think is kind of ironic because we started off the service today by singing a Bruno Mars song, Just the Way You Are. And and that song is a great song. Man, it's all about we should love people just the way they are. But listen, if you get married and you don't ever change, there's a good chance you will end up divorced. Because just the way you are right now is not going to work five years from now. It's not going to work 10 years from now. You want to know why? Because life is going to happen. And so we need to be growing and we need to be uh, discovering and we need to be becoming the person that God has called us to be and becoming the spouse that God has called us to be. And so we thought what a better way that, to help all of us grow than to answer the questions that we all have. And so we've taken questions and they've been being sent over for the last couple of weeks. And so our worship guys compiled all these and put them together. And so it'll be really fun today. And so let me just say this on the front end. If we start arguing, just talk amongst yourselves. Okay. Uh, it'll be a lot. Very likely. Very likely. We just argued in the last service. She called herself a Ferrari and then called me a Pinto. Uh, I don't, like, I didn't think that was very nice. But anyways, we got over it. We're here. We made it. And so uh, we're just, they're going to throw us questions up on the screen and it's going to be lots of fun. Um, okay. After a husband and wife have sex, biblically speaking, who should make the sandwich? <laughs> oh. that, is, that is the guy that's running Pro Presenter. That's, uh, he, he, there's a book actually by Dr. Laura Schlesinger, and it's not a Christian book. And I'll just say this. Shayla read this book. It's called um, what it, what, Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands. Yes. It's the name of this book. And, and in the first chapter, it was brilliant. She, she was reading it, and she goes, TJ, can you believe this? And, and she said, this is what a man wants. It says, if we're not having sex, make me a sandwich. And pretty much you've got men covered no, right said, there. No, it pass me the remote. No, it didn't say, yeah. pass me the remote and mm -hmm. make a sandwich? Yeah. Okay. So apparently the woman's supposed to make a sandwich. 
Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Boo. I thought it was a good answer. Like, man, you didn't even back me up there. I, thanks a lot, guys. Technically, if you would like to have sex, then you should make your wife a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but this said after, after, anyway, so, okay. <laughs> If you Thanks, had premarital sex before meeting a future spouse, are you supposed to tell them? If so, when should you tell them? That's a great question. For Shayla to answer. <laughs> this is going to happen the whole time. Okay, so I definitely think it's something that you should talk about in your relationship when you get to that point in your relationship, when you know it's somebody that you want to be committed to, that you could see yourself marrying. I don't think that 10 days into it, you... We'll probably be having those types of conversations, but I think that it's important that you share those things with one another because if there's something that you're holding back or you're not revealing in that relationship, it hinders intimacy. It hinders the way that you connect with one another. And there could be situations that come up that are based on your past and what you've experienced. And if you haven't shared that with your spouse, then it's going to cause tension in that relationship. So I think in order to have truth and intimacy and all of those things, that's definitely a conversation that you need to have a little ways into your relationship. And that should be a natural progression if you're really trying to get to know each other and you're really pursuing that relationship. It should be a conversation that you're having um, if that's really a good relationship. Yeah, definitely. Anything else? No, I'm good. Next I'm question. Perfect. What is defined as cheating? I can, I can answer that. If I, you're actually, asking the question... Yeah, that's, that's probably, like, Jesus actually answered this question for us. So, um, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he said, You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery right there in his heart. And so, like, it isn't, it isn't just for adultery. It's, it's whatever is causing you to lust, Jesus has defined that as cheating. And so, if... There's, there's a big difference between saying, oh, that's a pretty person, or that's a good-looking guy. Like, there's, there's a recognition of that thought, but what are you going to do with that thought? You know, that's what the Bible tells us, to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So, if you say, hey, that's a pretty girl, and you leave it at that, that's not sinning. That's not cheating. If you go, man, that's a pretty girl. I wonder what it'd be like to hook up with that girl. Like, all of a sudden, you're going there. And the Bible says that sin, when it gives birth, like a thought comes in, you start to dwell on that thought. It starts to give birth to sin. And pretty soon, sin is being played out in your life because it's not just a thought anymore. Now you're fantasizing about it. And eventually it leads in death to yeah. a relationship or to intimacy or to anything like that. Pretty simple. Next question. My spouse has been cheating on me for many years. I know I need to leave, but it's hard because this is all I know. How do I leave? You know, we actually, this question was in our thing for the last service and it messed me up. Like I started just bawling my eyes out sitting right there because I can't imagine what it's like to be in a relationship where Somebody is breaking that trust and that intimacy constantly. And I definitely don't think it's an easy thing, especially when you've lived with it for so long. And it's something that feels like it's just part of your life. And I think eventually we start to feel like, well, this is all there is, and this is, this is what I deserve. And 
you know, the Bible talks about divorce and that God hates divorce, but he also says that this is one of the instances in which divorce is something that is Is permittable. permittable. And if you've been experiencing this for a long time and you've made efforts in that relationship and you've tried in that relationship, there's some point when you just have to sever that relationship and it's not easy. And like, I, I just can't even imagine what, what that's like. It's yeah. I mean, we, we, we can hope for restoration. We can work for restoration. We can do everything within our power. Um, and, and, in the Bible, it's actually in, I believe Deuteronomy 24, um, if, if I'm off a chapter, please don't crucify me with an email. Um, but it, I'm pretty sure it's right there where, where God actually says, like, God hates divorce. And the reason he allows divorce is because it's hardened people's hearts. People's hearts have been hardened. And, and I would look at the situation, and, and if you've gone to counseling, you've done everything you can, at some point you've got to go, like, that person's heart is hardened. Now, I'm not giving you uh, uh, an out to say, like, oh, he looked at some other girl. He's cheating, and I'm I'm getting out. No, this is a this is a reoccurring thing apparently in this this person's question, and and so you know, if, if there's a pattern of behavior that that doesn't change, um, man, I I feel so much for you, but you you also got to protect your heart as well. And I did this last service, and I I'd like to do it again in this service because maybe you're the person, maybe you're out there, and you're the one that asked this question. And this isn't something that is a really cut and dry answer, I don't feel like, because it's, it's painful and it's difficult and it's something that's been a part of your life for so long. So I would just ask that you guys right now, I want to pray for this person because it's not something that everyone deals with and it's something that is extremely difficult. So if you guys will just bow your heads real quick, I want, I want to pray for this particular person. Heavenly Father, we come before you and Lord, I thank you that your word tells us that you are close to the brokenhearted. God, that you bind up our wounds, that you heal us. And Lord, I pray right now for whoever that person is out there that's struggling. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them strength to get through this. I pray that you would surround them with people that can help them get out of a difficult situation, that can carry them through the season of their life. And Lord, I pray that for the person that's on the other side of this relationship that has been hurting this person for so many years, Lord God, I pray that you would arrest their heart right now. God, that you would bring conviction to their life and let them realize what they're doing, God. And I pray that you would restore their life, God. Maybe that marriage doesn't work, God, but I pray that restoration would happen and healing would happen in each of those individuals. Lord, I thank you that you are a protector, our defender, and you're our healer, Lord God. And I pray for that person right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, next okay, question. Maybe something a little bit more lighthearted. What is the best relationship advice you have ever received? Shayla, what's the best relationship advice you've ever received? I think you hated it. I, I think I hate it still. Okay, so you know what I'm going to say. I, I have a good thought. Um, okay, so my mother... She... Mother-in-law. I mean, that, doesn't that explain everything right there? For all you married people, you know what I'm talking about. So... TJ and I grew up together, and my, my mom knew TJ, and she knew that he was a very driven individual, and that it would be very easy for him to dominate in a relationship, and so the thing that she told me right before we got married was, Shayla, will you please just have an opinion in your relationship? And ever since then, TJ has been regretting that advice because I 
have an opinion about everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. Like, she couldn't just have one. Like, I, I think her mom just told her to have an opinion. Like, not multiple. But anyways. Um, and so, that, it's actually been great because it's a, it causes a lot of open dialogue. Um, that's what we call it. That's like what we it. call it. You might call it fighting. We call it open dialogue. Um, <laughs> I, I, for me, the greatest marriage advice we ever got was actually when we were doing premarital counseling before we got married. We were, we were in premarital counseling with this elderly couple, and, and they said the, one of the, the key to their relationship that they found is when they were arguing was to hold each other's hands. And when they would hold each other's hands, they couldn't argue. It was hard to argue with the other person. And so I'm like, that's great. They didn't tell us that when you go to grab the other person's hand when they're yelling at you, it really just pisses them off. Um, <laughs> like, they didn't explain that part. And so we found that, like, that creates other conversation. Um, but, but it, it does work. It does work, man. If we, if we start holding hands, it, all of a sudden, all the, the anger kind of intention just starts to subside. And we're able to then start to have a civilized conversation rather than... Um, a loud conversation. But there's sometimes that we're both so angry that we don't want to hold each other's hand, and then that gets awkward. Yeah. But it's good advice. Good advice. Okay. Is it fine for your partner to use the bathroom with the door open? <laughs> Trailer, why you say no? <laughs> I think so. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm finding scripture to say that that's not okay. The better question is. What's the better question? What if you leave the toilet seat up? Okay, so TJ's <laughs> usually pretty good at keeping the toilet seat down, but there's a couple times that he forgets. And there was one time, it was like the middle of the night, and I got up to go to the bathroom, and I straight up fell in the toilet. <laughs> and so, it's not okay. <laughs> to leave the toilet seat up, but it might be okay to leave the door open. Yeah, we can definitely leave the door open. Um, okay, next question, please. Uh, <laughs> how do you keep the romance alive after you've been married for a while? Good question. It is a, that's a great question. I think one of the greatest ways to keep the romance alive is, is definitely date, date days, yeah, date nights. Um, we found that, at least for us, uh, the gr greatest way to do that is having time set aside just for us because everything in life will keep you busy. Anybody else yeah. figure that out already? Your work will keep you busy. Uh, your friends will keep you busy. If you have kids, kids. they're just busy. Um, <laughs> and so you've got all these things competing for your time, but a lot of times it's, we don't set aside time for our spouse. And when yeah. you make a conscious effort to set aside some time and spend it deliberately with them, you'll find that you'll just grow intimacy in your relationship and, and, one of the ways that we do that is it's not always a date night. A lot of times it's a breakfast someplace where we can people watch and make fun of people. And so it just it creates romance. I'm just telling you that right now. Well, I think if you go back to what we were talking about before and good relationships aren't something that you find, they're something that you make. And so you put effort into it and you make those things a priority in your life. Now, TJ and I don't have kids and I can't imagine how difficult it is when you have kids to make that time in your life. But here's you know, for dating and those types of things. But here's what I do know is that most divorces happen early in marriage, about year seven, and then year 25. Because what's happened is in year 25 is people have raised their kids and they've made their kids a priority over their marriage. 
and they end up getting to the to those kids moving out and what happens is they don't know each other anymore and so I think it's important for you if you have kids to somehow figure out a way to to make that a priority in your life maybe it's only once a month or maybe it's you know whatever but have something that you're doing that is building that relationship with your spouse so that you don't get to the end of that and not know them anymore is there such a thing as a soulmate? Got it. Um, thanks. This is, this is a question I think most people want to know. And, and this is, I think Scripture kind of defines this. It says, when a husband and wife get married and are joined together, they become one. So whoever you marry is your soulmate. Your soulmate is something that's made, not something that's found. And so a lot of people are like, oh man, I'm married, but I found somebody else that's better. They're my soulmate. Now the, the soulmate's the person you already got. And I know that some people aren't going to really like that answer because they want it out in their relationship. But the reality is, is when you're joined together, that's who your soul unites with. Yeah. It's why, honestly, some of you guys have struggles in relationships because you've given your soul out and you've had sex with a whole bunch of other people. And you're wondering why, like, I'm not as connected to that person because we're only meant to do that with one person and be connected to them for the rest of our lives. Um, and so, yeah, there, there is a soulmate. It's the person you choose to marry. And I think it's why it's so important, as if you're single out there, to make sure that you're preparing yourself and you're becoming the right person so that you don't just settle for anyone as your soulmate, but you're waiting to find that person that has all the qualities and the desires that God's given you in your heart and you're not just settling for a physical relationship or anybody that kind of comes along. Yeah, that's good. Is there one specific person for me? Um, we kind of just covered that. Um, how do I know if he or she is the one? Shayla, how did you know that I was the one? It's when I brought sexy back, wasn't it? Was it was an act of God. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. <laughs> For me, honestly, you know, I had been in some bad relationships before and made some really bad choices and had a lot of hurt and pain. You know, like, I'm not going to I did have sex before I was married with somebody that was other than TJ. And it was, it was difficult to let go of that. And there's, there's still things that I carry with me because of those decisions that I made back then. But I believe that when I, when I repented from that and I let, I let that go and allowed God to do some healing in my life. And then I said, you know what, God, I don't just want to settle for, for any kind of relationship. I want somebody who's going to love me, who's going to cherish me, who's going to encourage me, who's going to bring strength to my life, who's going to add to my life and all of those things. And I actually made a list of what I wanted in a guy because I, be I believed that because I was pursuing God, that those were my God-given desires. And so I made a list of those and I said, you know what, God, you've placed these things in my heart and I'm not going to settle for somebody who's outside of these things that, that you've placed inside of me. And so I think it's important, number one, to be in touch in your relationship with God. And that relationship is number one. Because just like TJ said in the first week of this series, if you seek God as your first love, he'll lead you to your true love. And if we're seeking God first in our life, God's going to show you and reveal to you and, and 
give you the desires to be with that type of a person, I think. And you'll, you'll know because he'll line up with the desires that are in your heart. Yeah. Or she. Yeah. So. Good answer. Cool. Next question. Most important thing for a relationship to be successful? Sex. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was the wrong answer. Uh, <laughs> I think it's communication. Communication, by far. Uh, um, and married people are, are doing their head up and down. Communication, uh, by far, is, is the number one thing, uh, especially how you communicate and learning what is important to your, to your spouse. It's not just words, but you communicate through actions yeah. in what you do. I think one of the greatest things, every couple should go out and, and buy a book called The Five Love Languages. If you've never read it, uh, it's by Gary Chapman. It, it talks about the ways that we communicate love to our spouse. And so if you want to have a healthy relationship and you want to have a successful relationship, you better discover what is the love language that your spouse receives. And that should be the thing that you give the yeah. most um, if you want to have a healthy relationship, because we're all, I look at relationships like we're all deficient in some area, like vitamins. We're all deficient in some vitamin in our, in our life. And so what do we do in order to be healthy? We have to get more of that vitamin. Well, in a relationship, we're all deficient in an area. And hopefully the person that we're going to spend the rest of our life with is going to add to that deficiency so that we're no longer lacking. And so all of us have lack for me, uh, I, my love languages are words of affirmation and, and acts of service. So I want you to serve me and tell me how great I am. You know, that's what I need in life. Uh, maybe some I'm, other guys are feeling that right now. Like, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, TJ never feels loved in a relationship. <laughs> so, so it's discovering those things and, and making a conscious effort to go, you know what, I'm going to meet the needs of my spouse and I'm going to communicate those things to them the best way I possibly can so that they feel and know that I love them. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Good. Man, that's dominant. Awesome. How do I communicate frustrations? Just cuss them out. <laughs> I'm just... just you know, cuss. I think one of the things that... Some, something really valuable that TJ and I learned... At some point in our marriage, I don't, I don't remember when it was that we no. read Marriage on the Rock. Connect marriage group. on the Rock, yeah. Which is a connect group right now, by the way. If you're not, if you're married and you want to go to a connect group, Marriage on the Rock Tuesday nights Phenomenal. blow your mind. It like transformed TJ, our marriage. Yeah, yeah, changed TJ. <laughs> changed TJ and I's marriage. Pretty much just changed me. <laughs> if you change me, it changes the entire marriage. So. Um, but I think in, in there, we learned a great way to communicate because so many times when we're frustrated with that person, we're frustrated with something they're doing or saying, and many times they don't even know what that looks like or what they're doing wrong. And I used to, so many times, TJ would frustrate me, and in the moment I'd be like, why are you doing that? And I'd get so mad and I'd respond in the moment. But something that I learned in this, in this marriage on the rock thing was a different way to communicate those things is that when you're frustrated with that person, you don't respond in that moment. You go take some time to process, take time to cool down, take time to figure things out. And then what I can, go, what I can do is go back to TJ and I can say, you know what, TJ, you probably didn't mean to do this, but when you did this, this is how I felt. Or when you said this. Or when you said this, this is how it made me feel. And what happens is I'm not going to him accusing him of saying, I can't believe you did this. You, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. I'm saying, you probably didn't mean to do this, but when you did this, this is how I felt. And it takes away all of the anger and resentment and bitterness, and it opens up a dialogue because TJ can come back and say, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it like that at all. And so you open up a new line of communication. Instead of placing blame, you're, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt and you're believing the best in them. And the other part of that is, is that you can't argue my feelings. Yeah. My feelings are how I feel. And so if you do something to hurt me, you hurt my feelings, whether you meant to do that or not. And so my feelings are always valid. Does that make sense? Uh, now, you got to understand at the same point, the, the Bible tells us that our heart is deceptive above all things, which means that our feelings will lie to us yes. sometimes. So sometimes we got to get our feelings out of the way. But I think one of the, the most critical things in that is, is that, and, and it says this in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. And he says, and walk in love. And so one of the greatest ways that you can communicate frustrations is you go deal with the bitterness that's inside of you. Because the reality is, is the reasons frustrations escalate is because you're bitter and you're angry and you go and you project that on somebody else. Well, the Bible tells us before we go project that on somebody else, we need to deal with that in our heart. And part of the time, I find out the reason I'm angry is really nothing that Shayla did. It's something that's from my past that Shayla just touched on a wound and just got me fired up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it really isn't, wasn't, wasn't what she did. It's what somebody else did that she just hit that wound. And all of a sudden, then I have to deal with my heart, and it eliminates a ton of frustrations in our relationship. It, it opens up the doors to communication. So no matter what situation you're in, like we use that technique a lot just because it's a healthy way for us to communicate with one another. And, and by the way, we are constantly reading books on marriages. Yes. We're constantly doing curriculums on marriages. Like our, just because we've been married for this period of time doesn't mean that we stop working on our marriage. We're working on our marriage continuously trying to make it better because it can always get better. Yeah. It can always, your marriage can always be better. Um, I believe that when you have two people committed to marriage, there is nothing that is impossible for them in that relationship. Especially when they're committed to Christ. Because then he says nothing is impossible for us. So, okay. Um, is it okay to get a divorce? And when is it okay? I, I think we kind of covered this. Um, there is one scenario, you know, if there's cheating going on, um, that is uh, a good reason to get a divorce. Uh, but really, God hates divorce because it's hardened our hearts. And re the reality is, is that if, if we can get back to softening our hearts by following Jesus, uh, we can restore anything. And, and I believe that God's heart in any relationship, no matter how broken it seems right now, is that God would love to have a restoration take place in that marriage. And I, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have gotten divorced, and that's not something that you can say, oh man, you know, I made this big mistake. God can never forgive me for that. He can forgive you. Um, and I think there's some things in your heart that you just have, you have to deal with as well and allow God to forgive and to heal and restore some of those places in your life so that as you enter into new relationships that you don't continue making the same mistakes that we've made before. Um, so... Next question. I know that looking at porn by myself is wrong, but what about looking at it with my spouse? It's a legitimate question. No. 
No. No explanation. Can I say no? no. Did I say no? No? No. 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 No porn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the next question. <laughs> when, it, when in a relationship, is it okay to have friends of the opposite sex? Shayla, that's a great question for you to answer. Um, gosh, I think you can have friends of the opposite sex. However, I think there has to be boundaries. Um, you shouldn't be going off and hanging out by yourself. If you're in a committed relationship with, with someone, you shouldn't be going out and hanging out with the opposite sex one-on-one. Um, I think, especially if you're married, that should not happen. Um, if you, most affairs don't start because somebody just decided to sleep with one another. They start because someone has been building a relationship, spending time with someone, venting their concerns with someone, like sharing their feelings with someone else, and that begins to build intimacy, and then that leads to an affair. And so I think the best thing that you can do, it's not bad to have relationships that are the opposite sex, but I think it's good to have boundaries in those relationships where you're not allowing yourself to, to spend that time together one-on-one so that it leads to something else. Yeah, and I think that that's something that you and your spouse definitely have to discuss and decide, like, what is, what is okay for you? Uh, I understand all of us have different personalities and different abilities and, and whatnot, uh, you know, I just, I know for myself, I don't ever want to put myself in a situation where anybody could question my intentions. Yeah. And, and, and I would, in that, I just think that that's a healthy way to live. So Shayla doesn't ever have to go like, so what was going on there? Cause there's never any question. Cause I never put myself in a situation where anybody could ask me that question. Yeah, that's good. So, um, next question. Is it right for a Christian to date or marry a non-Christian? Um, for a non-Christian, they, the Bible actually talks about this. I, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians um, that it says, you know, don't, don't be unequally yoked. And so if, if you're single right now and you're dating somebody that isn't a Christian, uh, the Bible is very clear. It says don't be unequally yoked, which means don't, don't marry somebody that doesn't have the same beliefs and standards that you have. So right there, that's very, very clear. If you're, ar- if you're already married to somebody that doesn't believe, the Bible also speaks to that. It speaks to that in Ephesians, and it says that by your purity and your reverence and your love for them uh, and how you serve Christ, hopefully you will win them over. And so you... Either situation. So if you're not married and you're dating them, kick the joker to the curb. Like, you're not missionary dating. It's not the way to do it. Find somebody that's, that's got the same beliefs and the same values and, and run after that person. Don't run after a person that you're trying to get to where you want them to be because you'll be doing that for the rest yes. of your life. Yep. Okay, last question. Maybe. Let's see. What, what do we got? How can I prepare myself for marriage? I, I, You're never prepared. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I, I think I think the best thing that you can do again is cultivate your relationship with God. Yeah, I think that that's definitely number one. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I think if you seek first God, uh, you know, we said it the first week, and Shayla repeated it. Seek God as your first love, and He'll lead you to true love. But at the same point. Um, I think there's lots of things. I know for myself, and I'm just going to speak from my own own place. 
I've read just about every book on relationships. Um, I, I, before I ever got married, before I was ever dating anybody, I actually took a, a year off from, from dating, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to prepare myself to be the person that somebody else would want to marry. Uh, because a lot of times I'm, I'm hoping that somebody else is becoming the person I want to marry. But I said I want to become the person that somebody else would want to marry. And so I read every book for guys on relationships. I read every book that girls would read about relationships because I wanted to understand a woman. Still don't understand them, but at least it gave me a chance to kind of get some ideas. Um, you know, and, and, and I was preparing myself. In fact, I remember when Shayla and I were just friends, I'd be like, oh, you got to read this book. And it'd be like Passion and Purity by Elizabeth Elliot or Lady in Waiting by Kendall. And, uh, like, and, and girls that are single right now that are reading those books, you're like, oh, those are good books. I've been reading those. Well, that's, I was reading those too because I wanted to know what the heart of a woman was that was passionately pursuing God. Because I was trying to figure out what that looked like because that's the kind of person I wanted to pursue. And so I read every single thing I could get my hands on. I would recommend you do that. Become a reading machine. Uh, and then I started making a list of things, of qualities that I was looking for in a spouse. And I started asking myself, do I display those same qualities? Because how can I expect to have somebody that I'm not myself? And so I made a list of 42 things that I wanted in my spouse I, I didn't put cooking or cleaning on there, which were big fails on my part. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So guys, if you're making a list, checking it twice, cooking, cleaning, important ones. Uh, and uh, Shay Shay trouble. Shayla actually met 41 of those 42 things. Um, and so I, I, I was new and like, you know, somebody asked, how do you know if they're the one? Well, I prepared myself to know what I was looking for when I would find Good. the one. And so when, when I saw her and I started putting the, and I started having questions, I had questions based on all those attributes that I was looking for in my spouse. And so if you were to ask her what our first three months of dating looked like, it looked like we went out to a park, sat on a swing, and I peppered her with questions for hours. And after about three times of that, I was like, crap, I better make up some questions, start asking this guy. <laughs> and, and so... Like, I knew more about Shayla than anybody knew about Shayla. I, I knew more about Shayla than Shayla knew about Probably. Shayla uh, when we got married. And, and so I feel like I was set up really, really well for a relationship. And what you put into your relationship is what you're going to get out of it. Right. And so I, I think the more you prepare now, the better it's going to be on the back end. You want to know why we have a great relationship? Because we put on a heck of a lot of preparation on the front end. Yep so that we could reap the benefits on the back end. And most people aren't willing to do what it takes to prepare, and then they're frustrated that they don't have the relationship that people want. And, you know, people, people would look at us and be like, man, you guys have a great relationship. And we'd tell them what we do, and nobody would ever go do it. And I'm like, well, then you're never going to have a relationship like that because you're not willing to put in the work. You know, things don't get better by chance. They get better by change. And we have to do something to change who we are and where we're at if we want things to look different in our life. So if you're sick of getting the same results, then you have to do something different in your life. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and this is what I know. We've been married for 14 years, going on 15. And, and trust me, we don't have a perfect relationship. Uh, I would love to say that we never fight and we never argue. We probably fight and argue more than all of you guys. Um, we just learned how to do it maybe in a more civilized manner, but the intent of the heart is still there. But I think the reason we have a great relationship today is because we've learned how to give and receive grace really, really well in our relationship. 
Because Ephesians tells us, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And wives, submit to your husbands just like Christ did. He submitted to his life of death. And so the Bible is, is, is saying like, man, you got, you got to realize that the way that Christ lived, the way that Christ operated was always this life that was always extending grace and mercy to people. Think about every encounter of Jesus with people that were broken and hurting. Jesus never condemned people. He never, he never jumped all over them except for Pharisees. Okay, we'll put him an exception there. So don't call your, your spouse a Pharisee. But he always, he always extended grace. He always extended love. He always extended mercy. And so this is what I know about all of us. All of us are broken and jacked up. And God, the moment he sees us, what does he do? He extends grace and mercy. And in your relationship, your spouse or that person you're dating is going to screw up and they're going to mess up. They're going to say things that hurt your feelings. And you have a choice in those moments. You can become bitter. Or you can say, you know what? I forgive them. And I'm going to extend the same grace to them that Jesus extended to me. And I think that as we start doing that in our relationships, we're going to see that instead of harboring all of this stuff and it just building up and just kind of coming out, that you'll start to see that the problems that used to be so present in your relationship start to dissipate. And the things that used to be a really, really big deal to you are less and less because it's, it's about how do I serve and how do I extend the very thing that I need in my own life? The person who needs it from my life. Because I don't think any of us go into a relationship going like, you know what, my goal is just to tick them off. And if you do, then you're a sick individual. We'll pray for you afterwards, okay? But no, we, we want... More than anything, I want my wife to love me and be proud of me and want to spend time with me. And I hope that she has that same desire here. And so how do I cultivate that? By extending more love and more grace and more mercy. Maybe today you're, you're struggling in your relationship and maybe today's a day that you need to receive some grace and mercy and love. Remember how much you've been forgiven. Remember how broken you were, but yet in the midst of that, Christ accepted you so that you can turn to that person that's been screwing up and messing up and going, you know what? If God can do that for me, I can do that for them. I can give them that. And watch the restoration start to take place and the intimacy start to build back up in your relationship. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you here today. And I know all of us have relationships, whether it's a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fiance or even just a friendship. Relationships are just a difficult thing. And it's hard because so many times we think we have rights in a relationship. I have the right to feel this way. I have a right to do this and I have a right to do that. No, no, no. We have a responsibility in a relationship. We don't have rights. We have responsibilities and we have a responsibility because of what Jesus did for us to do unto others. 
And so God, I just pray right now that we, as we reflect on our own life and we recognize how jacked up and how broken and how messed up we were. And in spite of all of that stuff in our lives, you said, man, you're the one that I love. You know what? You are forgiven. You are loved. You are cherished. Even in the midst of all the junk in your life. And as we receive that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness that God extends to us, God, I pray that every single one of us would open up the eyes, our eyes to the people around us and realize that they're broken and they're longing for something more. And the only Jesus they may see is the Jesus that's lived out in us when we extend the same grace and mercy and love and compassion in the midst of where they are. And so God, I pray that you would open up our eyes. You would open up our hearts, not to hold on to bitterness, but to grab hold of truth and live in that truth and allow that truth to set us free from the bondages that have kept us bound up. And God, I pray that you would do a fresh work in people's marriages. God, I pray that as a church, we would build families here. And the family begins with the husband and wife. And if we can build a strong relationship in the husband and wife, man, we're going to build a great next generation. We're going we're gonna to pave the way for singles to know how to have healthy relationships and how to find the perfect someone for their life, God. God, I pray that we would, we would be models for generations to come of, of healthy and godly relationships. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I really, I, I do, I have a passion to build strong homes. I'm, I'm passionate about it, and I know it begins and it ends with a husband and a wife. And so more than anything, man, I want to see our homes, the relationships between a husband and wife be so strong that there is nothing that can separate them. That that is a thing that comes before kids. That's the thing that comes before jobs. It comes before everything else. Because it's built on a foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ. And so, man, we're going to do whatever it takes. If you're struggling in your relationship, Don't leave here today without talking to somebody. I'm just telling you, man, we're here for you. We want to help you. In fact, we'll have some of our ministry team and some of our elders and leaders right back here in the back corner. Don't miss an opportunity to get connected with some people that can help you become the family that God really wants you to become. Don't miss your moment to do that.